I live by routines, especially my same-day delivery routine with Shipped. Because when Sunday rolls around, I'm not scared. I got my shopper on the way with all my favorites. Shipped, delight in every delivery. Learn more at Shipped.com. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, friends, and welcome to another edition of the Happy Hour. Happy Friday, if you're listening to this in real time. Always love a Friday, which means it's the weekend, you guys. We have a great show in store for you today. Let me just tell you, I sat down and talked with Jenny Owens. Now, Jenny has an award-winning career that includes two decades as a singer-songwriter, recording artist, author, and speaker. During that time, Jenny has released 10 albums, five EPs, and two Christmas projects. You guys, she is a songwriting releasing machine. She continues to inspire so many people with the truths of the gospel through personal stories, songs, and Bible teaching. She currently lives in New York City, and in fact, we talked today about a brand new book of hers that comes out in just a few weeks on May 1st. It's called Singing in the Dark. Jenny says this in her new book. She says, ignoring the darkness doesn't make it light. Avoiding brokenness doesn't bring redemption, but singing in the dark can heal us and change us. When our songs are directed toward God, the giver of song and healing, they ultimately bring us hope and joy. It takes courage to sing in the dark, especially in the moments when our stories don't make sense to us, when confusion and doubt overwhelm us. But this courage, it seems to me, grows as we sing. You guys, I got a chance to read her book early before it came out, and I highly recommend it as she talks about how to cultivate hope and have joy no matter what challenges we are facing. It was such a joy to talk with Jenny today about this new book, about some of her own story, and about songwriting as well and what that looks like in her life. I want to remind you that we've started doing something fun is that we have bonus content over on YouTube from each of our conversations. So each week when I sit down with a friend and talk to them, I ask them a question that you don't hear on the podcast. You only get to hear and see over on YouTube. So go to youtube.com slash Jamie Ivey and you can look for a question today that I asked Jenny. I asked her if her blindness has ever been an obstacle for her. You're going to be encouraged by her answer. You can find that at youtube.com slash Jamie Ivy. All right, friends, here is my conversation with Jenny Owens. Jenny, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you so much, Jamie. It is lovely to be here. I feel like this is the happiest podcast. I've just started listening recently and I'm like, oh my gosh, she has so much fun. It just makes me smile. So I'm glad I get to have fun with you today. Thank you. Well, I always say like COVID has really put a damper on our interviews because I used to do them all in person and it really was just like one big fun party when people would come interview. Oh yeah. And so, but you know what? We're thankful for the internet, right? And so here we are. Yay for the interwebs. Yay for the interwebs. Well, I want to tell you that you've been highly requested on the happy hour by listeners and even people who work here on my staff. And so I am getting excited to chat with you. But if you'll just introduce yourself to all of our listeners before we jump in. Well, sure. My name's Jenny Owens, and I grew up in the South, in the deep South. I actually was born in Jackson, Mississippi. Fell in love with music 
well, probably before I was born, my mom said I always would leap every time there was music playing. So <laughs> when I was uh, two, I started singing and playing and music really became something that spoke to my heart very early on. When I was three, I lost my eyesight uh, to a degenerative eye condition. I actually had enough sight to see colors, was learning those. And my favorite was purple and could see you know, faces and different things like that. But so I had a surgery that the doctors hoped would improve my vision or at least stabilize it. And instead it took it all away. But my parents say that after about six weeks, I just went back outside to play and climb trees and all that stuff. So yeah, it just, um, they let me just do whatever I wanted to do. And the sky was the limit, but definitely changes the way you see the world when you can't see. Yeah. So I continued on with school, ended up getting a scholarship to a school called Belmont University out of state far away from my mom. She was like, what? So seven hours away from Jackson, Mississippi. And so I went to Nashville, the good old music city and thought I was going to be a music teacher. I was thought I was too shy and didn't think my songs were good enough to share with people, but ended up singing for a living and writing songs. And about three and a half years ago, I moved to New York City where I'm in seminary and still singing and, you know, started writing a book during the (laughs) pandemic because why not? Why not? Well, New York City is a lot further away from Jackson. I should let everyone know. (laughs) Yes, it is. Luckily, you spent a good amount of time in Nashville to get used to that. Okay, New York City is a place where this is totally random. I sometimes think I would be so much fun to live in New York City. My husband, I actually honeymooned there and I've been there several times. Is living in New York City as fun as us people that have never lived in New York City think it might be? Yes and no. It depends (laughs) on what day. So like today it's raining. So if I actually had to go places, I would say no, because, you know, you just have to go and get wet. There's just no because you don't have a car. But it is fun in that you walk places and you take the train and you there's just so much life and activity and all kinds of interesting things and exhibits and arts and not during the pandemic not but during the pandemic yeah oh. but other than that it's fun like for me as a blind person it's really cool because the city is a grid pattern especially the you know kind of middle and top of the island so you can kind of find your way around or i can find my way around pretty easily and also you know growing up in like you know, town cities and towns where people drive their cars everywhere, you don't get to hear what's going on around you. So when I'm walking outside, I feel like I'm seeing the world for the first time because you get conversations walking by and you get like sounds and smells, some good, some not so good. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I get to see the world finally. So I really am just loving it. It's, uh, it's a blast. And you're in seminary. Did you mention that? Yes. Okay. So tell us what you're getting your degree in and how that's going. It's going well because I don't have a paper to write today. But (laughs) are you you a procrastinator or are you uh, like, you're going to get it done ahead of time? Well, I would like to get it done ahead of time, but between work and, you know, you just do it as you can. So I don't really have time to procrastinate anything right now. The Lord's like, nope, you can't. You just do the next thing. But I am going to get a master of biblical studies and then might get a few more courses and get my MDiv. Not that I plan to preach but just to have it because I'm really close. I had to do three semesters of Greek and three of Hebrew. So I'm like, why not? You know, why not? Yeah. Why not? It's fun. It's I've just had so much fun learning uh, and how taking it all in. It's been a blast. I'm Except always, for those 20 page papers. Those right, are just right, evil. Right. I'm always intrigued with wanting to go back to school. In fact, yes. I have four kids and I told my kids recently, I was like, mom's really thinking about going back to school. And my kids literally are like, why would you actually do that? This seems <laughs> like you're too old for school. And why would anyone sign up for school again? But 
You encourage me with your schooling. Do uh, it, girl. For sure, for sure. You got this. Okay, so let's talk about your book that you wrote during the pandemic, which I think is just the best. It's called okay. Singing in the Dark. And yes. tell me where this came from and this idea and give me all the inside scoop as to why you wanted to write this book. Well, so in a nutshell, I'd say the book is basically about how to cultivate hope and how to have joy no matter what challenge we're facing. And what I was really thinking about was that most of us, you know, having traveled and met lots of people, I feel like most of us have a couple of things in common. We like music or some of us really love music. And we also know what it is to experience trials and suffering. And so because we have trials and because of how we're wired, it's also true that there's always what I call a song on repeat in our minds, right? And that song may not have a melody, but it's always got some words. And a lot of times those words are informed by whatever darkness we're actually experiencing or what darkness we've faced in our past. Mm -hmm. So like for me as a blind person, you know, the kind of songs I hear, which probably are like songs a lot of us hear are like, you don't measure up. So you have Mm -hmm. to find ways to make yourself useful or God is there, but success is actually up to you. You know, we've all got some song going on in the back of our minds like that all the time. So in this book, I wanted to walk through some of these songs that play on in our minds and debunk them if I could Mm -hmm. by sharing some of my personal story with them. And then most importantly, looking at songs from scripture and talking through how like knowing these songs can counteract those negative ones and actually change everything about our thinking, like even in our difficult circumstances. So It's so good. One of the things that you said in the book, Jenny, I've I've been reading it over the week, and you said, we all experience darkness. Perhaps the darkness has come in the form of a painful loss, a chronic or terminal illness, deep loneliness, addiction, or perpetual anxiety and sadness. Whether you resonate with one of these categories or not, because you're a human being, you know what it is to do battle with darkness. And I read that and I thought, man, that is so true. There's not anyone that could read that and go, well, I don't relate to Jenny here. I don't relate to this darkness that she's speaking of because we've all walked through such painful scenarios. How would you say that your specific things that you've walked through have helped you to find that hope, that song of hope? And and we're going to talk about the book because I just love the way that you tell your story and then you have a story from someone from the Bible. It's just, oh, it's so good. But what are some of the things that you've had to kind of maybe understand or grasp more in your life? with your specific darkness. And I'm not even talking about just being blind because you even say in here, you say like, you might think that's the biggest thing I struggle with and it's not, you know? Yep. Nope. Nope. Definitely not. So (laughs) you can adjust to that. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to us about what you've had to learn to find hope in these situations. Well, I think, you know, I've told people for a long time that if I could see, I mean, I'm already sort of a independent, free spirit, kind of driven, go get it done type person. So I think if I could see, I would be like, a hundred times more that way and probably not good way because I think I would just, you know, be focused on what I wanted to do next. And I do feel like one of the things that has happened with having, you know, being different, having something about my life that sets me apart is that, you know, you're forced not to be in the thick of things at times. You're forced to listen. You're forced to know what it feels like to stand on the sidelines. You're forced to know what it is sometimes to be in really difficult situations where you're misunderstood and where you're offended and you have to figure out what to do with that. And so I feel like what I've really been able to learn to do, what the Lord has really taught me to do through lots of aches and pains and challenges and, you know, just 
fighting him so Mm -hmm. often on it, but he teaches me to trust him, like that he is the one unchangeable in my life and in my circumstances. And, you know, I remember very vividly, though I couldn't totally take it in when she said it, when I was in fifth grade, I was just having a dreadful time with bullying. And like, kids would just do mean things, especially there's always a girl, you know, it's like the mean girls, you know, we always have those. Uh And I remember one of the things the mean girls love to do was like steal my lunch and take things out of it and laugh and Mm. just, and I remember, I don't remember what all had happened that day, but I remember coming home from a very difficult day of bullying and my mom just being like, you know, Jenny, you always say, and you always know that Jesus is your best friend, but there's going to be some days he's your only friend, or at least you feel like he's your only friend, but you can trust him because he's been through like the worst suffering possible because he loves you. And so that was like, I think at the time as a fifth grader, you're like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, (laughs) whatever. But it did stick with me. And I think just over time, that word has really like grown in my heart and my soul. Like, oh yeah. So no matter what kind of day I'm having, he's the friend that does not change. Mm. And he's not some sort of God that's like way up disconnected from us, you know, living in heaven, but he's a God that is very familiar with our suffering. He Mm. says, I've been there too. I know that feeling. So I think those kind of experiences pointed me in that direction. But I think also my life has made me very curious about things. Because there are things I can't see, you know, I ask a lot of questions. And I think often because I have had times where I have not felt seen, one of the things I have really loved learning to do is actually to help other people know that they are seen and loved and like to hear their stories and to be curious about their lives and to encourage them like, you know, in their journey and just in helping them know that they are understood. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there have been some true gifts that have come from my journey, you know, and we all have that. I mean, we all have challenges that God has worked in and really changed and shaped us through them. And so I definitely am no different in that area. You know, I read that part about what your mom said to you just earlier in the week, and I made a mental note of like, okay, Jamie, this is, remember this to tell your kids when they're struggling with things. And to even hear you say that you remember that from when you were in fifth grade is encouraging because there are sometimes whatever someone's darkness is that they're having to walk through a painful loss, like we said, or addiction or illness, or even as a fifth grade kid who's getting bullied, that there is that moment of having to realize, okay, maybe Jesus is the only friend for me today. And that's scary and that's hard and that's difficult, but he's proven faithful to you and proven faithful to me and he will continue to do that as well. It also made me think, Jenny, when I was reading your book and you talked about how you would listen to your students and their lives and then you would write these songs. Yes. And that when you were just talking just now about this curiosity that you have and wanting people to feel seen and feel loved, it reminded me of those days when you would write songs about your students. And that part was so deep and sweet to me when you read about that. And so I want to ask about songwriting. Where does songwriting come from from you? Is it really these everyday encounters that you have with people or with the Lord? Or are you more of a a sit down and co-write with someone and bring all your ideas together? What does songwriting look like for you? Yes, it is. Absolutely all of those things. All of the above. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I think songwriting started out just as kind of my next experiment in music. My first song was like, Well, it was all about like the bathtub and soap and cleansing the body and the soul. And you wrote that song in your book, didn't you? Like you wrote. Yes, I tell her. That's why I was like, I shouldn't tell her. Yes. You're like three years old writing this song. Tell us what it said. I was like seven. Okay, seven. Do you want me to sing it? Yeah, Jenny, I want you to sing it. (laughs) 
Okay, here we go because we have the keyboard. So oh, we I can love just this so much. Don't forget the water. Don't forget the soap. Don't forget the bathtub or you'll have to give a pope. And here's the spiritual part. <laughs> Don't forget Christ Jesus, he who cleansed your soul, because he's the only one who can make you whole. Look at you writing songs as a seven-year-old about Jesus cleansing your soul and the soap and the water cleansing your body. Well, I thought it was it sounded like Amy Grant, but nobody agreed with me in my household. So I after that, songs were kind of my journaling because I was like, oh, well, maybe people just really don't get it, you know. And I, I was creative enough to just be like, oh, they just don't get me. <laughs> I'm the creative one and they just don't understand. They don't understand, yes. So so then songs kind of became either me processing life and my relationship with Jesus or like in middle school and high school boys, they were just all about boys. Yeah. Or they became the conversations that I wished I could have with people like my students. But just even all throughout life, I've written those conversations in song. And I've often found that if I can write it in a song, then eventually I'll be able to find the words to have that conversation. Mm. So yeah, these days, like I used to be, I guess, creative enough or artistic personality enough that I would just take as long as I needed to finish a song, even if that was a few years, but there's not time for that in this <laughs> life. So now if I can't finish it, I just call a co-writer and I'm like, can we finish the song so I can record it? And, so yeah. I can get this behind me. I love yes. that so much. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. 
Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. I live by routines, but I especially love my same-day delivery routine with Shipped. And my shopper knows this about me. When Sunday rolls around and I place my weekly stock up order, Joe sends texts from the aisles. Wilted lettuce? Nah, hard pass. Deal on my favorite sparkling water? Whew, grab two. Fresh flowers just because? Hmm, sounds like a delightful idea. If you love routines that work for you, get Shipped same-day delivery. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash high. Okay, in your book, Singing in the Dark, you walk through different people in in scripture and talk about how they had their song, then their, yeah. you know, what they found in the darkness and the hope that you talk about. And you also interweave some of your own stories. I want to talk to you about when you talk about Deborah in your book. Yes. And you talk about in 2008, it was a season of weariness. And honestly, you said a lack of songs of hope in your own personal life. Your yeah. mom was going through some hard, difficult things. But you speak about your Aunt Carol. And I just really loved hearing about her and about what did you call the songs that she would send? Cheer songs? Cheer songs. We still get them every day. Yeah. No, you do not. Oh, totally. She's still sending them. I'm like, how do you do this every single day of your life? But Oh my gosh, Jenny, that just makes me smile so much. Okay, so, so can sweet. you walk through that season of your life and what you learned even through your aunt and that she's still sending you cheer songs? And she's then even how you even, you know, correlate that with Deborah from the Bible and what she went through as well. Yeah. So when in 2008, my mom was diagnosed with advanced stage breast and lymph node cancer or well, breast cancer, and Mm -hmm. uh, it was in a couple of lymph nodes. And so it was, you know, you don't ever want to get that news at all. It was very terrible. So she was pretty panicked. She was going to be on a pretty intense regimen of like chemo and then radiation plus surgery, plus more chemo after that. It just was going to go on and on. So I had moved home to be with her and take care of her during that time since I can do my job from anywhere mm-hmm. with an airport. So right. <laughs> so it just was a really, yeah, it was just really heavy. It was a dark season. I was scared for her. And, you know, for any of us that have gone through that with loved ones, you want to take their pain if you can, mm-hmm. because you just feel helpless. You can't make it better. I mean, I would try to cook her healthy things and she'd be like, yuck, it tastes bad. <laughs> I don't want to eat that, you know? So it was a really hard time. And my aunt, her sister... She loves singing. She's also a songwriter. And so she really wanted to do something to, you know, pour hope and light into the situation. So her first attempt was to kind of write these kid songs that, you know, like Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, like cancer, cancer, cancer free and whatever. My mom was like, whatever, this is not (laughs) happening. (laughs) You have to stop. And so then what she started to do was to send us either a devotional or a passage of scripture and then like the lyrics to a hymn or a current worship song. Mm -hmm. And then even just a little note of something she was going through. 
I like, or just, you know, something from her day that she thought would bring us encouragement. And she started calling them cheer songs. And what she did in those, and just even in our times with her, she'd come down and be there with me through mom's chemo. She really pointed us toward the truth, Mm. like the truth that we knew was true, but we couldn't really feel it or sing it over ourselves, you know, and she sang it for us, which is, you know, a beautiful thing that we get to do in the Christian community is to sing hope over each other when we don't even feel like doing that. So where it was very much like Deborah was Deborah's really unique, you know, as we know in the Mm -hmm. Old Testament as being, you know, a woman who basically ruled. She was a judge. She was the boss. Mm -hmm. She was like the original girl boss. I like it. (laughs) She was. She was the girl boss. Do not mess with Deborah. (laughs) And she did lots of things that were very anti what Israel Mm -hmm. was doing. She went against the grain in every way. So she was not a pushover. And so, but one of the reasons she could do that was she was so confident in her identity in the Lord. And that's kind of like how my aunt Carol was. She just is so confident in how much Jesus loves her and how much she wants to make sure other people know about his love. Mm. So I loved that. And just the Deborah was so bold. I mean, she knew her identity was in the Lord and she was confident in that. So she had no trouble telling truth to the Israelites. She had no trouble telling Barak that it was going to be his job to go fight the Canaanites. And he was terrified. So she said, fine, well, God will give them into the hands of a woman. And so, yeah, it was pretty amazing to just see her clarity of thought and her boldness all because she absolutely trusted in God. And yeah, so it kind of is what my aunt did for us. She continued with her songs to remind us of what was true, even when we couldn't feel it. And ultimately that really, you know, took root in our hearts and helped us to walk through that situation with hope. I love that so much. And I think that we sometimes underestimate what like the body of Christ is for. There's a lot of things, but one of the things that always makes me think of is like you said, like your aunt did, it's for people to kind of hold the truth when we can't see it or we can't feel it or we can't understand it. And I sometimes think, man, what an honor that we get to do that for each other. And what an honor that you look back on that season and you can see like your Aunt Carol holding your arms up of you and your mom, you know, like how Moses was. And I just think what a gift that was to you. It was a huge gift because then you also learn, like you're just saying, to do it for others. Yeah. It's been done for you. And it's like, I mean, God obviously teaches us so much in our time with him. But I think sometimes the tangible like representation of him is in other people. You know, that's mm. where we really get yeah. our, our bluff called or, or where we really get hope infused into our hearts is from what other people say to us and how they pray for us and how they talk to us. And yeah. It's so true. It's so true. I loved hearing that. And it made me think, man, I want to be that for people as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like I know we can all think of people who have done that for us, but I think it's encouraging that we want to be that as well. Okay. I want to read something else from your book. Are you ready? Sure. You said this, the reason I struggle daily to live in God's strength is that it means I have to be okay with being weak. Though you might think blindness is my greatest obstacle, my internal weaknesses are much more challenging. The great weakness for a driven entertainer like me is worrying about how I am perceived. Yet as I rest in my identity in Christ, I find true strength. I know that my grit, that drive and determination will never be enough to sustain me, nor will the attitudes of others be enough to break me. With the love of God of creation surrounding me, how can I not release to him my need to control what other people think of me? What does it look like for you over your past I won't say how old you are, but I will say that your birthday (laughs) just happened. So happy birthday for that. But what does it look like for you over these years of kind of letting go of that control of what people perceive of you? 
you talk even more in your book about people misunderstanding you or people right. not knowing how to even just have a conversation with you because of your blindness. And so what does that journey look like for you over your past couple of decades? You know, it's kind of a repetitive process. You kind of think, I'm, isn't that I'm sad? Past this. <laughs> yes. right. You think you're past it and then there's more. But I think there are really, you know, some practical things that have helped me, like we're talking about with community. As you just keep sharing your story with others, you find out you're not that different than them. Mm. I mean, I think in our sort of culture that is so prizing being offended right now and victimhood, and there really are true victims for sure. But as you sort of allow someone to know you and to help carry your load, and as you get curious about knowing them, you also kind of see where we're alike, like mm. that we all have pain mm. from things that have happened to us. So that's part of it is it levels the playing field when it doesn't stay in your head and you speak it and you hear from others where they are, you know, and I, so I think the more we're willing to be vulnerable and curious, um, the more of a clear vision of the world we're probably going to have. Yeah. So that's part of it. And then also just it's coming back to these songs that Jesus has, well, that are from the beginning to the end of the Bible, but knowing that he's singing these songs over us, like we are so loved by him that he mm. would give us these songs, these truths that we can carry with us. And to know that, that he, like, I think right now a lot about power and humility, mm. you know, in our world. And so we're, it's such a sort of noisy kind of angry yeah. world right now. And so I go a lot of times from feeling powerless to feeling like I want to stand up and fight. Uh. <laughs> and so I feel like he is teaching me always about what true power and true humility look like and how different they are for a Christian. You know, like grit is I'm determined I'm going to mm -hmm. I'm going to get this done on my own. But true power is this beautiful truth that the same power that raised Christ from the grave mm -hmm. is working in your life and in right. my life, like Ephesians 1 tells us. And I love that. And so when I feel like life is out of control, I can think on this. I'm, you know, maybe I'm perceived as weak, but I am dearly loved mm. by the God of the universe. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in me. And also just to think that with that power comes a humility. It means I don't have to convince people that I can do whatever. Like, even though I'm blind, I can do, you know, I don't have yeah. to. Like, yeah. Even though inside you probably want to. I do want to. And a lot of times I do. And then yeah. I'm like, Jenny, that's boasting. Oh. Do not do it. It's not pretty. But like um, Philippians 2 has been super helpful. Just meditating on seminary professors had us memorize Philippians 2, 5 through 11, which is like an old hymn that Paul writes in there. And um, just to think that Jesus came to earth and took on the form of a servant mm. because he loved his father and he loved us that much. Yeah. So if he, if God can be like the ultimate servant and show what looks like human weakness, but it's really just humility and meekness, mm. what is wrong with me? You know, that should give me and all of us great confidence, you know, because in one sense, we have this superpower that's alive in us, but we also have this greatest humility, you know, mm. that we are called to that just means we get to take our hands off. Yeah. And our job in life is not to convince people of who we are and how many great things we can do. It is to just walk with him and be who he's called us to be and let his love kind of emanate through us to the world. So that is kind of the practice I have to keep going through. So I have to keep coming back to his songs and who he is and, you know, 
aligning myself with that and listening to that again, like every day. <laughs> it's so good. And it's so anti like the world, you know what right. I mean, Jenny, of yes. like this, like humility. I mean, we know that about Jesus. He is different. He's set apart and he teaches us a new and better way. But then I remember I did read that book, Grit. I don't know if you've ever read it. Is it Angela Duckworth? Yes. Have you read it? I have read some of it. Yes. Okay. And I've read some of it as well. Yeah. So good. And yes. I mean, you know, it's like, it's like there's this balance. And I even, I think yeah. you even talk about a little in your book of like, we need this grit to right. kind of get through some of our obstacles. And you have definitely shown a lot of grit in your life to overcome some of your obstacles. But yet on the flip side, as a follower of Jesus, we yes. need this like humility and servant heartedness that honestly, yeah. I think it's like a daily battle. It's a it daily battle to not have to prove ourselves. And yeah, it almost is like there has to be something underlying our grit. Yeah. You know, there has to be like that strength that's stabilizing us under the grit so that the end goal of the grit isn't to win. <laughs> Yeah, because also the end goal of grit is like, I can do this because I'm awesome. Yes. And so how do we, it's like, I want to teach that to my kids. Not that you can't do this because you're awesome. I want to teach them to have grit, obviously. But like you're saying, I also want them to know that their strength only comes from Jesus. Yes. It's just so. Well, and then when we, when things do go well, when our grit does pay off, (laughs) we can just look to him and be like, you did it again. You did did it again. again. Always do. And so we can boast not in ourselves, but in him who does this. One of the other things you talk about in your book is you talk about Leah. Yes. And you say, unwavering in her determination to win her husband's love, Leah reminds us of something truly important here. When we don't have the one thing we think will make everything better, we are not content with anything. And that stopped me in my tracks because I thought, that is so true. There's this one thing, it's different for everybody, that they're like, if I could just have this... Life would be great, but then it makes us look at our entire life and think none of it matters. What has that journey been like for you? And what have you kind of had to loosen your grip on of this one thing that you thought you wanted? Oh, man. Well, it depends on which day you ask me. (laughs) I agree, Jenny. Oh, gosh. It's so hard. And part of it is living in this world we live in where it's, you know, you just people just say you get you go after what you want. Mm -hmm. And part of it is just being a sinner. And part of it is being creative. You're just always longing. You know, you're creative. It's just always like there's something else out there. I mean, I can look at kind of different seasons in my early, mid, even late 20s. It was being married. I just, this has to happen. And that kind of trumped everything, you know, else in life. And um, yeah. And so it was hard to appreciate things, especially if I, you know, had a crush on somebody or something. Mm -hmm. It was hard to appreciate anything else that was going on in life because I wanted that to happen so desperately. And then I sort of gave up on that in, in a sense and really was so driven by my career and by just, you know, not even like, oh, I got to be the best musician in the world, but more like, you know, I just need to succeed at this Mm. so that I can prove my worth in the world. And also it's because I want to bring hope to people, but somehow your ego gets tied up in that too. So (laughs) very unfortunately it happens real quickly. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Yeah. The whole thing of people liking what you do is a real slippery slope. Yeah. So I had to just learn, I mean, because for years I just, you know, was sold out to my work and that was my one thing because I had learned that music was a connection. It was, Mm. I could belong if I had, if I was sharing music because people could relate to the lyrics So they knew I wasn't that different from them. And Mm -hmm. I knew they weren't so different from me. So, you know, and that's true. But when that becomes the thing, uh, that's no good. So, yeah. yeah. And I think for me now, it tends to just be 
again, just my identity can't be in whatever thing I'm doing. So with seminary, you know, there's sort of this drive to just yeah. make all the grades. And like, you know, I really do think, oh my goodness, if I made a B, my professor would probably say, well, it's because she's blind and she, <laughs> she <laughs> you know, terrible things that your brain tells you. So right. I, I've had to just keep going to Jesus and be like, who do you say that I am? Yeah. And yeah. And I think as that takes root in our hearts, I mean, it really is a practice. We have to show up every day and mm-hmm. talk to him about it. But as it takes root in our hearts, who our heavenly father says we are and how we are Jesus's sisters and brothers and how he loved us enough to, you know, give his life for us Mm -hmm. to be here with us, walking among us, you know, as the gospel sinks in, I think we can begin to let that be our one thing and let the other things go. Cause we just realize, I mean, you know, I have lived enough years now to go, man, those other things just aren't going to satisfy you for more than a few minutes. And so- Yeah, I think it is. It's like this daily kind of surrendering to the Lord. And also, like you said, I think there is something to just getting older and maturing a little bit, not only just as a person, but also in your faith and really remembering like those things can't actually complete me. And I've tried before and I thought they would and they failed me before and they let me down. Jenny, well, I am really cheering you on for this book, Singing in the Dark, which releases, I believe, is it May 1st? May 1st, yes. How are you feeling about book release? You know, it's the first time I've written my own book. So I am just, it's nerve wracking actually a little bit, but I'm excited. I'm excited. I think it it should be nerve wracking. You know, like it's a big project that you're putting out there, but I can tell everybody I'm halfway through and I'll finish it over the weekend. And I'm really, really, really enjoying it. I love the way that you've taken God's word and your own personal stories and intertwined them to be seriously such a just a conduit of hope in what you wrote. And so it's something that the world needs right now. So thank you so much for doing that, Jenny. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for reading it and also for sharing this time with me. Okay, before I ask you what you're loving and reading, do you have yes. any new music out recently? Because we talked about your book, but I think that you have new music out too. I do. Yeah, it's the year of new stuff. It is. I love it. (laughs) I have a couple of EPs out, which means short albums, Mm -hmm. called Expressions 1 and 2 that came out recently. And then I have a companion piece to this book, which is coming out May 14th. And the first couple singles are already out and it's a worship project. It's my first worship project and it's called Sing Hope in the Darkness. Oh, I love that. So that comes out when? May 14th? May 14th. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, um, everything, I always really like to comment on people's book covers and stuff. And your book cover is beautiful. Oh, thank you. And I'm super excited, too, because I know, were you part of the Faithful Project as well? Yes, I was. So much Uh, fun. I'm talking to Amanda Bible Williams soon about this, but the long list of ladies who were part of this is just, I mean, how amazing was this to work on? It was pretty amazing in every way. It was just so lovely to, it was kind of like having a reunion of all the people you hardly ever get to see. Those are the best. Meeting, yeah. And then meeting some new people too. And then just, I don't know, just having that space together to write and create and just be vulnerable with each other is just not something we usually take time to do. So it really was cool. Uh, I'm super excited about that project as well. I live by routines especially my same-day delivery routine with shipped. Because when Sunday rolls around, I'm not scared. I got my shopper on the way with all my favorites. Shipped, delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com. All right, Jenny, what are you reading? What are you loving? 
What am I loving? Okay. Well, loving. So in college, you know, again, I have to do easy food things. So I love turkey pepperoni. Yes. That is my favorite food right now. It <laughs> turkey, is. Do you just buy it in like the little packages and yeah. then just eat it just like and that? Just eat it or like toast it. I mean, you know, put it on some bread or something yeah. and toast it or just eat it. Yeah. Mm. I do a lot of just eating it if I'm honest. <laughs> and along with that, I love my instant pot because I can just throw things in it and it's eat the best. them. Yes. 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 And I love spring because I live down the street from Central Park and oh. spring is lovely. Spring in New York City is what would make people want to live there for sure. Yes, it oh. absolutely is. Oh. So, Okay, what are you reading? Because I'm in school, I'm reading so many things. So this is a really hard decision, but okay. let's see. So a couple of books that I am reading that I would highly recommend would be a book called J-Curve by okay. Paul Miller. And he also wrote a book called A Praying Life, which is super great. Yes. I read that years ago. It's so good. Uh, yes. It's so good. I read it years ago too. And then we were talking about it a few months ago. And so I got it back out and it's still so good. So I feel like uh, that's a book that you could read every year yes. and benefit from. Okay. So uh, what's this I'm, new book that he has that you're reading? It's called J-Curve. Okay. And it's such a crazy title, but it's basically, a, I mean, what's so glorious about it is it points out the purpose to our suffering, that uh, just like Christ uh, suffered and died and rose again, that's we get to enter into Christ's sufferings through our trials every day. Mm. And he shows us how Paul teaches us that. So okay. that's just been such a freeing, but oh my goodness, now my suffering has even more purpose than I right. realized. You know? Okay, Jake, so, I love it. Yes. And then there's a great book called Questioning Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin that I have really enjoyed, especially in this kind of age of skepticism that we live in, where there's so many people that say, well, I don't want to be a Christian because of X. Yeah. You know, she is a scholar and does a really wonderful job. She actually writes it for people who aren't believers. So it's kind of like a modern day mere Christianity in a certain sense. Is this, I, I think I read... Is it called Confronting Christianity? Yes. Whoops. Yeah, it is. Okay, Confronting Christianity. Jenny, I read that earlier in the year. Yes. Loved it so much. Yes. It's so good. I've told yes. so many people about that book. Like oh, so man. many people. Yeah, yes. and she's going to be on the happy hour too. I'm just really big fan of hers. Yeah, she is awesome. She has such great things to say. So. Yeah, she has a new book out that's for teens. That's yes. That kind of thing. And then, I, I mean, Rebecca must just be putting books out left and right. I just saw recently she has another one coming out. Yes. I can't make think of the name of it, but it also looks amazing. I can't either, but I just heard her give an interview about that book the other day, and it's, it is okay. fabulous. Okay. It sounds awesome. All right. Oh, I love it. Okay, anything else? Oh, gosh, I could go on. There's a book called Stay Salt okay. by Rebecca Pippert. Okay. And she wrote a book like, I guess maybe it was in the 70s or 80s called Out of the Salt Shaker. Okay. So she writes about evangelism and she also writes about her own story. And it's very practical and very just well thought out. And you just kind of feel like, oh, yes, I can go tell everybody about Jesus. It's this easy. <laughs> so it's very, very encouraging in our journey to share the gospel, I think. Okay. I love that. I would love to yes. read that. I'll have to write that down. Jenny Owens, this has been a pure joy. Oh, thank you thank so you, much, Jamie. It's been so much fun to chat with you. This has been so great. And everyone check out your new book, Singing in the Dark, comes out May 1st. Happy birthday. We'll tell you that. Oh, thank you very yes, much. Yes. Thank you. And I look forward to your companion release in the middle of the month of May as well. So this is just a good month for you. I know. Then I'm going to have to sleep. So um, it's, <laughs> it's so much fun, though. Yes, oh. I'm excited. Thank well, thank you. you so much for joining us. Thank you. 
Guys, was that not just so lovely? I was so encouraged after sitting down and talking with Jenny, and I hope that you are as well. Check out her book, Anywhere You Get Books, Seen in the Dark. You can pre-order it now. It's not out yet, but if you pre-order it, it'll show up on your doorstep when it releases on May 1st. Guys, don't forget to check out the bonus content question over on YouTube where I asked Jenny if her blindness has ever been an obstacle for her. You're going to be encouraged by her answer. You can find that at youtube.com slash Jamie Ivy. Today's show was mixed and mastered by the team at Podshaper. Music was written for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Abby Castell. The whole thing is put together and organized and produced by Lindsay Sweeney. I'm your host, Jamie Ivey. And next week, Amanda Bible Williams is on the show. She's an oldie but a goodie. She's not old, but she was on the show a long time ago. And you're going to love the conversation that I have with her. If you've been a longtime listener, you're going to really enjoy our catch up as well. All right, guys, have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you guys back here next week with my friend Amanda. I live by routines, especially my same-day delivery routine with Shipt. Because when Sunday rolls around, I'm not scared. I got my shopper on the way with all my favorites. Shipt, delight in every delivery. Learn more at Shipt.com.